You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Fans and foes, it's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling, and I'm your host Casey Corbin. And thank you, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. But before we get to the podcast, you know what you got to do: hit us up on all the social media outlets. Go to uh, MySpace, find us there if you can. I don't know, we're probably there. But we are on Facebook at uh, Facebook backslash Talking Wrestling. We're also at um, oh on Instagram uh, at. Uh, Talking Wrestling Podcast at Instagram.com. We are on Twitter at TNWPod.com. We are also, um, where are we also? iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, favorable rating, review. We love all that stuff. Uh, check us out on Spotify. We are there as well as uh, Casey Corbin's four uh, comedy albums. Check those out too. Not only that, we are also... Um, Available where all popular podcasts are. Uh, where else can where are I forgetting anything? Send us a Gmail at talkingwrestling at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's about it. I can't remember. I do it every week. You think I should know. But what I do know for sure is waiting right now, over six feet away, is my partner in crime. Uh, please give it up for Reese Turner! No, buddy! How are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast. No, I'm great. How are you? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> I just got back off tour, and um, yeah. I'm a little behind on the wrestling. I'm like, Wednesday, I was all excited for last night. No wrestling because of hockey. Come on, hockey. Don't be bumping. Hockey. I, I Look it. My hockey games tonight, but I don't want hockey keep like I don't want it bumping eight my Wednesday nights. Well, you know, it's uh, hockey. You you can be on every night. There's no need for you to be bumping me on TNT. But um, TNT has moved to Saturday night, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, um, a pretty big uh, movement has happened in the. Uh, the wars of of wrestling leagues, um, as SmackDown is on Friday night and AEW is also on Friday night, but they never, they never cross. They they always looked at it like this way: we'll go on after SmackDown. Yep. That way, you can watch all the wrestling. Just enjoy the products. Yeah, but what we got here is we got Vince McMahon, and he has decided. That he's gonna extend uh, SmackDown tonight an extra half hour. So, Why? just because he wants to fuck with AEW's ratings. So okay. in return, AEW has decided <coughs> they're gonna start a half an hour early. So there's gonna be a crossover, <coughs> bless you, of WWE, WWE and AEW. And you know the thing is, is the idea is. You can always choose who you can want to watch later, but these guys are going head to head on Friday night, yeah. and I don't think SmackDown can compete with 
uh, what what Rampage is offering. Rampage. I don't think they can compete with what's offering, but people are stupid and will probably watch SmackDown still. Well, of course, you never know. Like now that the draft is done, I'm sure everything is different. No, <laughs> it's all the same. Um, I tuned in a Raw last week, and the Usos were on Raw, and I didn't. I I thought they got drafted to SmackDown because they're part of the Brotherhood. Yeah, and they the are on SmackDown. Line. They're the SmackDown champions, mm-hmm. so they did not get draw draw drafted to Raw. Uh, they just showed up on Raw, and now they're wrestling Drew McIntyre and Big E. I'm like, why? Why? Yeah. Stay? You just got drafted. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> fuck off, WWE, with your draft, and you're not making your story's not making sense. Yeah, I don't understand them. Because I'll tell you right now, CM Punk versus Matt Seidel, like they're not. CM Punk is drawing, outdrawing the WWE, and they're not even putting him with. Great competitors, they're putting yeah, with him. It's gonna with, be a fun match. Oh, of course it is, because Matt Seidel is is well, you know we look at it's Evan Bourne, and we know that, and uh, you know, and it's gonna be a great match, as well as we have Ruby Soho versus the Bunny. Now Ruby Soho, way better wrestler than the Bunny. I just hope they can have a great match because I love the Bunny because she's Toronto, uh, yeah. and a trios match. Inner Circle versus uh, Men of the Year and Junior Dos Santos. As we know, um, that crew has been beating up on the Inner Circle guys, so this is yeah. going to be quite the trios match uh, as well. And it's all going against each other. So Friday nights are a good night for fighting. I guess Elton John almost said that. And Well, the time difference, right? The time difference. What's that? He's in the UK, we're in North America, so maybe he did mean Friday night. Oh, yeah, because Friday nights are some some places, Friday nights are Saturday mornings. That's and it. it's like, Friday nights, 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 all right, for fight, you know. Yeah, yeah um, I like I, that. I love it, love it. Uh, aside from that, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you get saw saw SmackDown or 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 any of the shows this week, but uh, what did you get to see? What were what were you up to? Well, first off, let's go ahead. <laughs> you talk about that sweet sweet ladder match for the poker chip. I did not see the ladder match for the poker chip, so you have to fill me in. I am horrible because I've been on tour and the iPad's been on the fritz and. And, so what uh, a wonderful match! Terrible internet, and not only that, haunted hotels they had me in. That's fucked up. That's the, fucked a ghost up. came in in the middle of the night and stole my chargers. I know that's it sounds crazy. like Tracy Morgan. A that's ghost funny. came in in the middle of the night, and stole my chargers. But <laughs> that happened. My chargers disappeared overnight when I was sleeping. <laughs> what they did? Yes, they did. They're not in my bags. They were in my room. My my everything was charging. I woke up the next morning, no chargers. They were just gone. No, no. I can't explain it. I went down to the front desk and I complained. Still can't explain it. <laughs> okay. Anyways, well, haunted hotel. That's the worst. Yeah. That's the worst. Camloops. Stay out of Camloops. They got haunted hotels. This is what we're learning. You know what they else have? They also have an an, an awfully uh, they have a, a terrible they have a, a large amount of off ramps 
and on ramps. Yeah. So when you're flying into Kamloops, you notice this town has a lot of loops. <laughs> it's got a lot of loops. Got a lot of loops. That's amazing. So okay. yeah. Okay. Let me tell you about this ladder match quick. Now, th- what is this ladder match? Is this like a money in the bank match or is it just a ladder match? You don't know what this is? I don't know what this is. Okay, so this is essentially, yeah, this is their money in the bank ladder match. Oh, boy. Their casino ladder match. Winner of this automatically becomes number one contender. Now, the number one contender right now is Adam Page. Hangman, Adam Page. Yeah, here we go. So, the match featured Andrade, El Idolo, John Moxley, Lance Archer, Big Money, Matt Hardy, Orange Cassidy, and Pac. And an unknown combatant. And an unknown combatant. The Joker, if you will. The Joker. So everybody comes out and starts whooping each other, whooping each other, whooping each other, whooping each other, whooping each other. Joker time. Okay. Hit Hangman's music, baby! Oh. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Did Hangman end up winning the chip? But he had no absolutely no need for it. Yes, he did. So he didn't get leapfrogged for number one contender, baby. Oh, would that he have is happened? The number one contender. So if he's the number one contender and then he loses on the chip, he's still the number one contender because he's the number one contender. Well, he'd become number two contender if he lost the chip. Mm-hmm. Well, if he lost on the chip fight, no, of course, yeah. he, he would get another loss. He would have lost against the champion. He'd slide right back down. He needs this win. This is the wrap up of the story. We've been watching this story. You, Dark Order came back together. Adam Page is back. Buddy, big things are coming. I you, think he's taking that strap, baby. He you have been saying strap. this on the show for some time now. You have been saying Hangman Page is taking that strap. This is the long run, the long con, the long, long story. Yeah. You've been pushing for it, and here Chipping. we are. He wins the chip the the chip in the air That's uh the, chi- the 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 chip on the shoulder or whatever That's he it. wins he wins he it he wins it he wins it and who yeah and that must have been a great so who had the best um high spot in that match was it Pac? it was uh pack and hangman page okay tell tell uh he got the dead eye off the ladder through a table yeah. jesus Wonderful spot. Just wonderful. I love this match. This was a phenomenal match. And Adam Hangman is going to bring it home. The Dark Order are going to celebrate. Everything's going to be right in the world. And then I figure they use that opportunity to debut Bray Wyatt or Wyndham Rotunda. I don't. Fuck up his celebration. I don't want Bray Wyatt. I think he's coming, and I think he's going to be great. I love Bray Wyatt. I think he was just booked like dog shit. He was such a are good... Are they going to make, like, look, look at, are they going to make him, like, a leader of a flock or a cult leader or all? Like, can we just stay away from everything that Bray Wyatt has been for the last 10 years? Who knows? Let's can we go back to Can we go back to Husky Harris and maybe fucking start oh, God, over? no. Fucking God, no. Nobody should be named Husky nothing in wrestling. Like, my... <laughs> My buddy and good friend comedian Lawrence Korber goes by the nickname sometimes Husky McMuffin. Okay. And that's the only Husky I'll allow in my life. Um, I like a mixture of Starsky and Hutch, but I call it Husky and Starch. 
Nice, I like that. I just made that up. That's not true at all. (laughs) Well, Jesus, you had me buying it. I was trying to think of something. Um, Also, uh, Suzuki's going to fight Daniel Bryanson at some point. Yeah, on the pre-show, on the buy-in or whatever, (laughs) this pre-show anyway. I don't know what's going on. I love AEW. They're the fucking best. What is the buy-in? Do we have to buy, actually, or do they just call it that? They just called it for fun. They just called it for fun. Okay. So I this is the, probably like the half like it, it's going to be incredible. Friday night is going to be a great night. Watch SmackDown. Flip it over before the end of SmackDown because you know how many times do you need to watch Roman Reigns beat up whoever or whomever? Yeah, show Vince McMahon that he needs to make some fucking changes. Yeah, of course he does. Uh, Ro- not just roll with the changes. Um, yeah. So just put a feature on tag team wrestling again make them actual tag teams stop putting people together just flinging them together and put tag teams up there look at tag teams have never been the wwe's thing as we know like there are so many great tag teams that go to the wwe and then they're not great tag teams anymore um sometimes they stick but sometimes sometimes they they do like if we were like if we were to and we're I believe we are going to do this, uh, we're gonna do the top our top ten most underrated tag teams of all time. Yeah, you will see a theme in my top ten that is teams that went to the WWE with a large amount of respect that uh, WWE totally changed their image, their gimmick, and these teams floundered as a result. Uh, or okay. were a joke as a result. So, okay. uh, I've, I've got some interesting tag teams on here. A lot of these are homemade tag teams. Uh, some are. Let's uh, okay. Let's start. I guess then, uh, if you want to start. Okay, I'll who, start. I'll yeah, start. who's your number ten? Who's your number ten? My number ten tag team, underrated, yeah. underrated. um, underrated tag team that I thought should have been a lot farther than what they are. Yeah. Um. Right then, I will. I'm gonna start with uh, the Iconics. The Iconics again. They were super huge over in NXT. Got to the main roster. Uh, were were getting along on the main roster, but then for some reason were broken up and then humiliated and eventually cut. And they never were given their fair chance. And they had all the potential in the world to be a great tag team. But because the WWE doesn't focus on tag teams, well, then we're never going to see the true greatness of this team as it was, could have been. Amazing. I went for, I would say, the original Iconics, the Bushwhackers. <laughs> now, now, now no, you're laughing, but the Bushwhackers are way higher on my list. Yeah, okay, I have them at number 10. That's who I have at number 10 because they were a great tag team. They're always entertaining, but they're, they could have done so much more well, based on their previous history. L- like I said... Um, like well, I will say the Bushwhackers. My argument is they should be way higher. Uh, when you saw them go into the Hall of Fame, they said they said as a tag team they had over two hundred title reigns. None of them in the WWE. Uh, the Sheep Herders were one of the most feared tag teams of all time. Uh, you you were going into a match with the with the Sheep Herders. It was like going into a match with Nick Gage. You knew you were going to be bleeding, and it was going to be a bloody mess. And that's the reputation they had. And then they went to the WWE and they're like, yeah, we have this really vicious tag team from New Zealand 
that love wrestling hardcore, even though hardcore doesn't exist right now, and um, we're going to make them into clowns. So they became clowns. They put sardines in their mouths, and they I breathed on little kids like Ben Miner on the way to the ring, and they licked your face, and they totally took a great tag team and wasted – well, they actually, they didn't waste them because they did the job time. that they were yeah. supposed to do, yeah. but the fact is – they're a way better tag team than what they are. And so I have the Bushwhackers up way higher, but then we'll get to that later. So, okay. so number nine for okay. you. One second. Let me just write down your number 10 was the Iconics. Okay, number nine. See, like, I went with a lot of teams. I didn't really take into account what they had done prior to arrival. Just teams that I enjoyed in the organizations and thought that they were wasted inside of it. I didn't necessarily know... Now, like, of course, you know the story of the sheep. Like, you know, you know this. You know, yeah. Like, but I was just going strictly on what they did in the thing. But That's I like right. that. I really like that rationale. Number nine for me is Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. They're they a forgotten. They're a forgotten tag team of Owen Hart's. Nobody really talks about when Owen Hart worked with the Bulldog. They talk about his time with Jim Neidhart. They talk about his time with Yokozuna. You, you can know? put Owen Hart with any wrestler, and you've got a great tag team. Yeah, but, like, I really enjoyed it. Like, the brother-in-law shit was really good. They had a 245-day title reign. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty good, man. So that's why I have it at number nine. Number nine, I have uh, almost uh, very close to what you were suggesting, the Hart Dynasty. Uh, Tyson Kidd, uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr., and Natalia Neidhart. Um they came in on fire, all the heat behind the new heart dynasty, yeah. the the legacy of the hearts, everything was great, and then it seemed like Brett came back at WrestleMania, and uh, they did a move at Vince McMahon outside the ring, like their finisher, his head hit the ground, and it seemed like that was the end of the heart dynasty. They had a match against DX one night on Christmas, and it was like fucking amazing because you seen DX wrestling these two guys and they're looking at them and Hart, and Shawn Michaels looks at Hunter and he was like haven't we already done with haven't we finished these guys like who are what is this you know like yeah. new hearts and uh I just thought they had so many good moves together like Tyson Kidd is was a natural tagged wrestler you know him and Davy Boy were great him and Cesaro were great but uh, I think the Hart Dynasty was definitely underrated and could have went a lot farther than what they did. Okay. That's my number nine. Okay. All right. I don't know who to pick in this situation. We, we're going to have to go back and look at these in a little yeah. bit and uh, try to figure things out. Yeah, I'm writing it down. Hart Dynasty, your number nine. Okay, who's your number eight? Number eight, I have um, uh, the Koloffs. Uh, in a in a in a hot territory in the eighties in the NWA, you had the Rock and Roll Express, you had the Midnight Express, you had the Road Warriors, you had you know, but yeah. one tag team that was kind of in the mix, but always not really, was Ivan Koloff and Nikita Koloff, and I just loved the Russians. I've always loved the Russians, and I've always thought Good they were underrated. Bad guy. Yeah. yeah, and uh, even though they did hold uh, the the, the trio's tag team, the six-man tag title, and the regular tag title. But I just think uh, in the when people are talking about the great tag teams, 
they never mentioned the Russians from the 80s, Ivan Koloff and Nikita Koloff. And I just thought Nikita Koloff was so fucking awesome. Such a beast. Ivan Koloff, legendary Canadian wrestler. You know, I'm sorry, Russian Canadian wrestler. And, uh, you know, I love them. Love them. So I have the Koloffs there. Okay. My number eight, out of left field, uh, out of left field uh, with the headbangers. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed their style of working. I like their finisher. I like their energy in the ring. I like that they were, uh, you kind of had, they really embodied their gimmick, you know, like a lot of their moves were like kind of like fashion, like you'd see them in a mosh pit. Like their finisher was called the stage dive. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it was very popular at the time. Wait a minute. Uh, wait I, a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, you're st- the headbangers, you're saying. Yeah. I thought it's you were talking the about the head shrinkers. No, the head shrinkers. See, like, I'm also, like, taking into account teams that I think were properly rated. Yeah. Like, the head shrinkers are showing a lot of respect, and I love the head shrinkers. Well, the head shrinkers are also the small and SWAT team, too. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, I, but yeah. I, I, I love those guys. But headbangers, okay. Headbangers. But I almost headbangers, got them mixed up. Not a, lot of, not a lot of shine were given to the old Moz. Uh, sorry. Mosh. Uh, Mosh and Thrasher. No. Uh, like, but like, honestly, I enjoyed watching them work. They were a good tag team. They kind of lived their gimmick uh, in the ring, and it was very good uh, for me. Anyway, that's why I had a number eight. All right, but I'll give you, I'll give you the number eight because the Kolovs, I think, are a better pick than the Headbangers. Cool, cool. So you get the Kolovs in the number eight. That's all right. All right, um, number seven. Number seven. Yeah. Who do I have? My number seven. My Ooh. number seven. Who do you have? Uh, Billy and Bart Gunn, the Smoking Guns. Uh, okay, one hundred. Like, first of all, they had three different tag team title reigns mm-hmm. uh, as the Smoking Guns. They were highly successful, but I think uh, all the tag teams with Billy Gunn were underrated. Uh, yeah. Billy Gunn, you could plug him into any tag team, and he was going to win a title. So whether it be uh, the New Age Outlaws or um, him and uh, later on him and. Who was it? Him and um, Sean O'Hare? Were they something? Were they no, going to get Chuck, married? Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Palumbo. Palumbo. That's it. Chuck Palumbo. Billy and Chuck. So I think you plug in Billy Gunn. He's like an Owen Hart. You plug that guy into anyone, and they're going to win a tag title. Yeah. yeah. But I really enjoyed the, the, the gimmick of the brothers, the cowboy brothers. Wrestling in they, jeans. Yeah, exactly. I like them. I like them winning the straps. I like their, I, I their moveset. And I also like when they broke up. Yeah. And then Billy Gunn became the Rockabilly for a hot minute. <laughs> Before he became the New Age Outlaws, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, he teamed with, uh, what's his name there? Uh, 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 fucking Pompadour Man. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, honky Tonk, Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk Man. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, there, and, and there was, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Crime and Punishment uh, on Netflix. No. It's about a hockey team. And uh, a hockey team in uh, Connecticut, and yeah. it's run by the mob. The, <laughs> but they run by it's run by the mob boss's son, okay. and uh, he wants to create ECW on ice. That's what he wants to do, not as a show ECW on ice. No, no, the, he wants to okay. take the hockey team, get the extreme attitude with them, and just have them and like do like the can do like the Chiefs or the, he wants to he wants wrestling. So, anyways, um, yeah. So the, well, there's one part where the dad has wrestlers come to his house for his 13th birthday, and it's uh, Shawn Michaels, China, Hunter, The Rock, Rockabilly, and Honky Tonk Man. 
And so the fact that, like, at first you're like, DX, but then The Rock is there, and you see, when was this? And then you see Honky Tonk Man there with Billy Gunn, and you're like, oh, that makes sense, Rockabilly era. Okay. But But. it's just so funny, and it's a great documentary, so you should have all see Crime and Punishment uh, on Netflix. Now, uh, my um, next one, very simple. Uh, these guys were promised the titles in the WWE many Three times, seven, and they never got them. Ugh. And they were doing Bella Magic before Bellas. These guys, B. Brian Blair, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, the Killer Bees. Okay. Okay. I, I hate I hate I hate the name of the killer bees. But whatever. They're they're killer bees. They're great Wu-Tang. costumes. Killer bees. Great costumes. Uh great mask confusion. Uh you know, jumping gym, great drop kicks. But the minute Brian Brunzel left the team, I mean the minute uh B Brian Blair left, they jobbed the shit out of Jimmy Brunzel. Um because Jimmy Brunzel was one of my most hated tag teams as well. Uh, okay. Okay. One of my was Jim Brunzel was part of the High Flyers with Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel, and I hate Greg Gagne. He's my most hated wrestler of all time. Oh, word! And they were in, this, in the same thing. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, who do you want to give seven to? Do you want to come back and discuss it, or do you? Do you we'll come to... back. We'll come back. Who do you have for you six? The killer. Well, I got to write down your killer bees. The killer bee sharps. Uh, number six, I had a. Uh, this is one of the kind of uh, one of those that broke my own rule thing, and I put together two people again. I've done it. I did it a couple times on this list, uh, but this was great. It was in ECW, and I remember watching this and being like, "This, holy fuck!" Uh, that was uh, uh, Rob Van Dam and Sabu when they were briefly a team there. Uh, and holy shit, were they doing some crazy, crazy, crazy? Sports. I don't know if they're. I think they're one. They're a great tag team. I don't know if they're underrated. They I think they're underrated. Who talks about them? Who ever never, talks about them? Sabu and uh, RVD as a tag team. When when are they ever discussed as a tag team? I don't think they are. Not as yeah, because because not yeah. only that, they were kind of like they weren't enemies, but they were Bill Afonso's top two guys. Yeah. So it's like it's like they were they were they were frenemies. I almost think so. But when they tagged up, are you kidding me? It was amazing. They were doing like it was like having uh, the Lucha Brothers with two Ray Phoenixes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would say yeah yeah on pot drugs and drugs. Yeah, a lot of drugs. A lot of drugs. Yeah. So um, that's who I have at my number six. <clears throat> so my number uh, six, um, I I'm gonna go with. Uh, I guess I'll go with the Rougeos. I don't think the Rougeos uh, got enough. They, you know, like they're so they're, the the WWE had this golden tag team era, and there were a lot of teams that were there that never got the belts. And uh, the Killer Bees are one, and the Rougeos they beat the Heart Foundation in Montreal, and they held the titles for two weeks, but it was only on French television. It never existed or happened on English television. And they took the belts away from them. So, and like I talked about that with Jimmy Hart on the show. Do you remember when the Rougeos beat the Hearts in the Heart for two weeks? And he was like, yeah, it happened in Boston. And uh, he goes, and then they just took the titles back. And they didn't want it. They just didn't want it to happen. And uh, the Rougeos, and not only that, I'll also say as a tagline, as a, along with the Rougeos, the Quebecers 
were also um, underrated. Well, it's a different tag team. Let's not talk about those guys. But the, the, technically, guys it's yet. extension of the Rujos. I have them later, deeper in my list. That's okay. why I don't want to talk about them yet. Okay. You know what I mean? All right. Uh, uh, number five. This we're at now. Number five. Who do you got for number five? Well, again, we just did Killer Bees. We just did Rujos. I'm sticking on the WWE train right now. And I'm saying, uh, now he's now I'm, a lot of people out there know my love for Rick Martel, so they think I'm going to say Strike Force. No, the Can Am connection was better than Strike Force. The reason why was Rick was the senior guy in that ma- in that team, and Tom Zink was the younger guy. But then when they went with Tito and Rick Martel to replace Strike Force, I mean to replace the Can Am connection, because that's what they did. They wore the same tights, yeah. you know. Tito had to change tights to become part of Can-Am Connection. They called him Strike Force. But the thing is, is Tito, they putting Tito with Rick Martel just gave us two old guys. And uh, instead of an old guy and a young guy. And so I think the Can-Am Connection was far superior. It just never got the run because Tom Zink, for some reason, just left the WWE way too early because I guess he had a future being the Z-Man uh, in other places. So I was never a fan of Tom Zank. Well, because he fucking walked out on the WWE. Nobody ever liked him after yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, my number five. <laughs> Some people say they're accurately rated where they are. I don't know. I think they're underappreciated uh, in some aspects, but they're a huge part of the WWE's um, late attitude era, I would say, the, the Dudley boys. Oh, I don't think they're underrated at all. I think they're considered one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Are you? They're they're one of those teams that have won uh, world titles in WCW, Everywhere. in ECW, in WWE. I in think Ring I put of them Honor. on the list because I wanted to talk about how sad it is that Devon and Bubbly aren't uh, Bubba aren't doing business together anymore. They're not talking or anything. Well, you know what? They'll patch that shit up eventually, and uh, because the Dudleys are in the top five greatest tag teams of all time. So I can't They're even... Very good. I can't, very good. I can't... I'll give you the Can-Am. I'll give you a Can-Am. All right. Even though I hate Tom Zank, he's a fucking punk. He was a punk because he fucking left. Imagine if he would have stayed. Ah, but it's not... Imagine if they would have stayed. It's underrated tag teams. And I just... I'm not a fan of him. <laughs> That's all right. This is, this is another one. Just because they've not talked about enough, really, because people forgot because such a massive single star came out of them. Uh, I have number four. Uh, I have the Harlem Heat. Well, I think Harlem Heat is the greatest. I'm just African American tag team of all time. I think they're the greatest black tag team of all time. The, you 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 have you have uh, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas, or Rocky Johnson and SD Jones. You have uh, Doom, but as far as the nobody was good as Harlem Heat. Harlem and, Heat's fantastic. I think Harlem Heat's fantastic. So uh, you you think they're they're they weren't uh, as rated as highly as they should have been? Nope, I don't th- I don't think so. A great I, tag I team also us- great tag teams also usually spawn great singles wrestlers. Yeah, and we got one with Booker. And you got one with Booker. So I think that's a successful tag team because not only that they they had a great run as tag champs on uh, the the. The, the middleweight champs and then the heavyweight champs, and I think they're a fantastic tag team. I don't know. I think you might be straight off with the Dudleys and the you, – you're on a diff, different chart now with all these great tag teams. 
Listen, I just think nobody talks about the Harlem Heat. The, who, how many people really in, like? Well, I guess some do. But Booker like, T never changed people. his music. He always kept Harlem Heat's music. That's what I love about music ever. Yeah, you know it better. I sound like Inspector Gadget. I love it. Uh, but honestly, it was, uh, I just, not enough people, I think, really talk about Harlem Heat when they're talking about great tag teams. That's why I put them on my list. Well, maybe we should do great tag teams because you'll hear me talk about the Dudleys and Harlem Heat on that thing. Yeah. They're all my great, great ones. They're all my great ones. We're going to have to do that next. We're gonna, who's your number four? And if it's, if, I swear to God, if they suck, Casey. Uh, We're not my, putting Harlem Heat on a list because of this team. My <laughs> number, my number four, uh, least respected tag teams. Um, I, or tag teams underrated that don't get enough run. Uh, okay. The, this one is, um, okay. This one is, they're called they're, these, the, now this, these guys were AWA champs and they were very dominant in AWA. Uh, they were called, um, they were called bad company. And then they went to the WWE. The, and I, like I said, this is something you saw in all my other things. They went to the WWE, they changed their gimmick. They made them the Orient Express, and they never had the run that they had as the bad as bad company in the AWA. Uh, Pat Tanaka and uh, and uh, Paul Diamond, or the Super Ninja, or whatever character he was under the mask. Uh, the The Orient Express ne- it was a way better tag team, and they don't get the credit that they were actually good because they were made the Orient Express instead of just letting them be bad company. So that's. Uh, my number five is that five or four? Number four. Yeah, that's my number four. Okay. Yeah. All right. Number three. Number three. Who's your number three? Is a very similar story. AWA champs. Uh, really cool gimmick. These guys were construction workers. They were called uh, destruction, or I mean, um, I think they were called uh, Dem- demolition crew or destruction crew. I have my, I can't remember the actual name, but it was Mike Enos and Wayne the Train Bloom. They came to the ring wearing hard hats, uh, construction vests, and sledgehammers, and they were world titles uh, champions in the AWA near the end. And then the day they would sign with the WWE, and then they were turned into the Beverly Brothers, where their careers would flounder, and they were never given the chance to be as good as they were as the uh the destruction crew in AWA. So the Beverly Brothers, very underrated as a tag team. That's yeah, my the number Be- three. The Beverly Brothers were they were great. They they lost a lot of big matches. They were never given the opportunity to succeed as a you know, because uh, sledgehammers aren't until Triple H uses them. Nobody else can they, use them before that. They're not giving up a push, that's for sure. Uh my number three is one of my favorite tag teams from when I was a kid. But like again, it just they, they weren't really pushed that much. I don't think they were ready. They were quite ready for this kind of a tag team, which became kind of like a prototypical tag team for a little bit. I'm gonna say high energy, and that's uh, Owen Hart and Coco. Owen Hart, Coco Yeah, so definitely, definitely three. get the they definitely got the crowd pumping and mute and uh, moving. Yeah. And uh, like I said, any team with Owen Hart is underrated. Yeah, missile drop kick finisher from Owen Hart. Beauty. Yeah. It was a good time. Uh, so, and my number two, uh, now I'll jump to number two, is the Quebecers. That's where I had the Quebecers. Uh, Rougeau there in PCO. 
Well, I do think they're very underrated myself. And yeah, they're uh, very, very underrated. Now, now mind you, they held the tag titles several, three but, different times. Yep, but still, like, again, like how many people talk about the Quebecers when they talk about great tag teams? Not a lot of people really have the Quebecers on the tip of their tongue, you know what I mean? No, and uh, to me, they were more dangerous than the Rougeos because, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jacques had, had bulked up. The Mountie was far more vicious as a heel as as Jacques Rougeau was as a face, and uh, and and PCO was already doing crazy shit off the top rope, and uh, and he was a cannonball in himself. So yeah, I love the Quebecers. They were underrated, one hundred percent. I'm with you on that. Yeah. So that's what I had as number two. My number two, um, well, my number two was Sheep Herders. The uh, the Bushwhackers were my number two. So I have them at number two, so we can figure that out later. Yeah. And who is your number one most underrated tag team? They're one of the greatest tag teams of all time, that no, and that nobody ever gets mentioned mentions them. And it's Ricky the Dragon, not even the Dragon, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. These guys look like brothers, and they were both fucking amazing. And they don't get, it's because Jay Youngblood died too young. And uh, and he died very young, so we don't get to hear about this tag team. But you go back and you watch any Jay Youngblood uh, Ricky Steamboat match, and these guys had it, and they were awesome. And they don't get the mention as a tag team, even if you ask Ricky uh, whether how do how they rate against the greatest tag teams of all time, he will tell you they're at the top, and I agree with him. So that's my most underrated tag team of all time. Nice. Uh, I have the Hollywood Blondes. Steve now, Austin and Brian Flying Brian Pillman. Personally, I think they're overrated. Because every time they they didn't I love them too, but the fact is they were only together for like nine months, a year, and then they broke them up. They never gave them the chance that they deserved because they were getting saying. over. They were that's too over. They were too good, and they that's never got the that's, chance. That's why they were underrated. They never get the chance to do nothing because they were written off. That's you right. Know, I, I love the Hollywood Blondes. Uh, I love them. I, I find that those two guys work wonderfully together. All right. So let's figure out this out. So okay, I so. agree the Hollywood Blondes are underrated because they destroyed them too early. Uh, so, yeah. Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood are underrated because one died too early. Yes. Yes. Okay, so let's start at the bottom. Number 10, I have the Sheep Herders slash Bushwhackers. Let's just move them right up to the middle at five or four. Yeah, let's, let's, we can, we can definitely move them around. Uh, but we need, let's fill up our number 10 right now. You have the Iconics, I have the Bushwhackers. But we have some other things, like we have some other teams that might be better set than the, I don't know. Well, if I have the Bushwhackers at two and you have them at 10, to me, that means they have to end up somewhere around five or six. So for five, you have the Can-Am connection with Rick Martel and Tom Zink. And for six, you have the Rougeaus. I have the Dudley Boys at five and RVD slash Sabu. I don't, if you're going to have both, I don't think the Dudley Boys belong on this list. Yeah, I, so do you think the Can-Am connection belongs at number five more than the Bushwhackers? Um... I think the Bushwhackers are high up on that list. Uh, I don't know if they're at number five. 
Um, Number six is the Rougeaus. Okay, we can lose. Seven. I'm I'm okay with losing. If look at, I'm okay with the Quebecers eliminating the Rougeaus. Okay. Like if we have Jacques Rougeau with the Quebecers, we don't necessarily need the Rougeaus, right? That's very true. So we can lose the Rougeaus and open up a spot there. Potentially. Because uh, the Rougeaus were going against Sabu and RVD for underrated. And again, I think the Dudleys should be off the list. Uh, Dudley boys are off the list. So that's why you got number five is the can connection uncontested. Okay. Yeah. This is where the this is the this is this is how it's done, folks. The nitty gritty, folks. This is the nitty gritty. We're still on number ten. Yeah, <laughs> we're still on number ten. We're figuring this out. But the Rougeos, even though they're just a couple of good Canadian boys, good Canadian boys. Actually, their gimmick was they weren't. They were all American boys, uh, all American boys. So that yeah. So what about the killer bees? You put the killer bees at ten. Sure. Yeah, Killer Bees going to number 10. Boom. The Killer Bees. Okay, so number nine. Who we got? So number nine, we have... Uh, I said Owen Hart and the British Bulldog, and you have the Hart Dynasty. I think uh, you have... Uh, I think if we're going to have high energy, then we keep... We keep yeah. the Hart Dynasty at nine. Or, again, we can slide somebody from higher up, lower down, if you felt there was a tight match that somebody should have been. No, I uh, just so think that Davy Boy Smith's son, I, I think Davy Boy, like, you know, I look at teams that never got to carry a title. I know, yeah, I, I wasn't watching the product when they were competing. So oh, I have no well, you should. Reference. Yeah, no, I think uh, the Hart the Dynasty is definitely more underrated than, than Bulldog and Owen. Do you think they're more underrated? Uh, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll put that. We'll put Heart Dynasty as number nine. Heart Dynasty. There it is. Number eight, you had the Koloffs versus the Headbangers, and we gave it to the Koloffs clean. Okay. Uh, number seven, uh, we had. I had the Smoking Guns, and you had the Killer Bees. We got the Killer Bees at ten, so let's leave the Smoking Guns there. Smoking guns. And I love their music. I have an affinity for cowboy gimmicks. You know, being a dark order, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Number six. Uh, Oh, this is a story. We had RVD and Sabu and the Rougeaus. But we're getting rid of the Rougeaus, so we got RVD and Sabu there. RVD. But do you think they're appropriately underrated for your taste? Um... They're look at they were, I yeah I do think they were underrated because they Perfect. didn't tag up enough. I agree. RVD Sabu, number five. You took it with the KM connection, un, uncontested. Number four, you had the Orient Express, and I had Harlem Heat. Now the I again, I don't necessarily I don't think Harlem Harlem Heat are in the top ten greatest tag teams of all time. They're on the I just never list. hear them get talked about. I just don't hear them get talked well, about. Well, they don't do it on this show. And I, <laughs> on this and show, uh, Harlem Heat. The Orient Express, my only frame of reference for the Orient Express is them as the Orient Express. So, and I was never too impressed by them. Okay, so because the Orient Express and and uh, and bad and uh, bad company 
and uh, the Beverly Brothers, aka Destruction Crew, because they have the same storyline, I can lose one of those. I would put the Beverly Brothers there at number four because I did like them. Then let's do that. So the Beverly Bros are number four. The Beverly Bros. Okay. Number three, High Energy. High Energy? Done. High Energy. High Energy. Okay. The nitty gritty here, folks. Uh, now we're at number two. The two. That's the bush. The Bushwhackers. I think number two is the Bushwhackers. And the Quebecers. And the, okay, well let's do the Quebecers as number two, and then the Bushwhackers as number one. And that Hollywood Blondes and Ricky Steamboat get eliminated completely. I guess so. I'm okay with that. I'm so okay Bush- with that because I think this is a fairly accurate list. You said Quebecers, then Bushwhackers? Quebecers and then Bushwhackers. Yeah, because the Bushwhackers, like, the fact that they gave up being the team that they were to be the team that they became uh, is sacrifice. And, uh, you know, they're they're not a laughing. Even though, you know, they were the laughing joke of the WWE, they were the clowns, they did it so well. So there we are. We have just said who the number one is we've settled on the bushwhackers for being number one let's go over the list again shall we top 10 most underrated hold on a second top 10 most underrated here we go here we go number 10 the killer bees buzz 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 kill the killer bees not getting any respect or tag titles no bing 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 number nine the heart Dynasty. The Hart Dynasty, Tyson Kidd, uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr., Natalia Neidhart, and, you know, not getting the respect that the Hart Legacy and the uh, Hart Foundation ever got. That's it. Number eight, the Koloffs. Ivan, Nikita, uh, one of the best tag teams of the 80s, never get mentioned with the Road Warriors, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, and all the other tag teams. Mm-hmm. Number seven, the Smoking Guns. Yeah, Smoking Guns. Billy Gunn, Bart Gunn, are they brothers from other mothers? Great tag team. Not so, not very underrated. Very underrated. That's it, very underrated. Number six. RVD and Sabu. You don't even think of these guys as a tag team. That's how underrated they are as a tag team. And they are magic. <laughs> uh, number five, the Can-Am Connection. Now, you know Rick Martel is going to be on some sort of list that I have involving tag teams. You know these guys are better than Strike Force. Tom Zink, why did you have to leave so early? Number four, the Beverly Brothers. The Beverly Brothers, I liked it better when you were in the AWA as, I think, Devastation Company, Destruction Crew. I don't know. You guys were construction workers, but not of the village people type, of the ass-kicking type. You had sledgehammers before Hunter. That's it. Bang, bang. Uh, Number three, High Energy. High Energy. Any tag team with Owen Hart should be higher. (laughs) Number two. 
the Quebecers. We're not the Mounties. We are the Quebecers. I, I love it. Us. You know, and you don't really appreciate PCO until now. And you realize, yeah. man, he's great now, and he was great back then. Yes, Jean-Pierre Lafitte. And number one most underrated tag team, the Bushwhackers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as the Sheep Herders, they were one of the deadliest tag teams in all of wrestling. And as the Bushwhackers, they were one of the greatest cartoons of all wrestling and yeah. never get the respect that they deserve. No. Uh, the Bushwhackers are the most underrated tag team of all time. 100%. There we have it, folks. Uh, Reese, where are you this week? What do you got going on? Uh, you can find me uh, tonight. Uh, it's dropping on Friday. I'm going to be uh, performing at Puff Mama's uh, Smoke Show in Leslieville there. Excitement. Uh, yeah, so it's gonna be a good time. Gonna be a really good time. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of funny people. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of laughs. Uh, uh, and then I've got uh, you know late night sessions. So follow me, baby. There you go. And uh, what I got going on? Not much except for the heels review right now with Michelle Shaughnessy. So stay tuned for Casey and Michelle right now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, with me at this time. Uh, is Michelle Shaughnessy, uh, former guest of the show. What was Sorry, that? I, I opened my phone to read notes that I made, and it opened up on a music page. And your music page said, I need a mic check? Is that what that just said? No, it was an Etta James song. Oh, I thought the phone went, hey, mic check. Mic I thought check. That Can I get a mic check? Okay, let's start Anyways. this again. Here we are with comedian Kate. Oh, sorry. No, it's sorry, my job. Sorry. You're, Michelle Shaughnessy no, is with us. Michelle I'm the Shaughnessy guest. is with us. Uh, she's here for the Heels Review. This is the episode seven heels review called "The Big Bad Fish Man." Oh yeah! Yes, the South Georgia State Fair is not only weeks away, but Jack's doing all he can to keep professional and personal lives intact. Stacy has suspicious suspicions that Jack played a role in Ace's unexpected heel turn. He, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we ended on um, the last one. We all know what was going on. There was the baptism. Crystal didn't actually talk to Jack about coming back. There's there's no spot for her, as we remember, because Bobby's leg is shattered. Ace has got uh, had the Trish, the new valet, last time we left off. Mm -hmm. So pretty early on in this episode, uh, it shows Crystal literally waiting um, for Jack on his porch. She's talking to his wife, waiting on the porch, all emotional. He comes home. She gives a big heartfelt speech about yeah. how she screwed up, what the league means to her, how much she believes in the league. She wrote it all in a letter. She gives him the letter, and basically he just says, thanks for coming, and walks away. Yeah. Um, obviously leaving her pretty She le pretty He left devastated. her standing there on the porch, but um, he's got a lot of going on in his mind. He does have a lot going on in his mind. I mean, um, the, the fair is coming up. They yeah. still are having tryouts. I, I don't know why they're not booking several weeks in advance. It seems weird that they're having tryouts for the big fair match when they have a lot of good people. These are but, certain you know, things. These are certain it's, things it's that TV are, show. Exactly. These yeah. are things that are wrong with the show. Like, first of all, your roster should be more than ten people um, if you're if you're running a wrestling organization. Uh, and uh, you know the maybe don't leave booking the big match till. Right the, before, because now, well, now they're they gotta they have tryouts for new talent for yeah, that match. Exactly. So tryouts happen. 
Um, it's pretty fun to see. Fun to see people. The the one character, the first guy that we see up for the tryouts is Dad. That's his character. He's just yeah. an average looking dad. But you know what? He looked like he might be a real wrestler in real life because he had some. Like he took the the hits good, and he had muscles. So I wonder if they really yeah. used a real wrestler. But then Crystal shows up, and they say, "Oh, we don't need you to work the tryouts. We got enough people." She says, "No, I'm here to try out. Anybody can try out, right?" Yeah. And they say, "Yes, anybody can." As so, long as you sign the papers saying... Saying, I don't see you if you die. As yeah. long as you sign the papers, you can do it. So, Crystal... You um, With encouragement from Bobby, by the way. He's FaceTiming her. You can do this. Yeah. You got this. And after they hang up, uh, one of the guys... I forget which guy it was. was like, when are you going to tell her that you like her? It's... it's, it's uh, Girls like that don't stay... James Harrington. Single. For the, one. The, the footballer. Jam- yeah, the footballer. Yeah, yeah the football so, player. Yeah. She jumps in the ring, does tryouts... Um, and, uh, it's pretty good, but you could tell like the guy that she's paired up with doesn't want to hit a girl. He doesn't want to yeah. run a girl, doesn't want to whatever. So in walks wild bill. Yeah. He storms the tryouts. He decides, he decides that he's going to jump in the ring. He's still not in the main event at this point. Well, we don't even you can't know. Tell him that he yeah. says, I'm going to have to fight whoever this is in the main event. Yeah. Beats the absolute crap out of the dad guy. Nobody well, they else. got the dad guy's working stiff to the first. And he's of like, course. he's like, loosen up, loosen up, bro. Yeah. And then he's not loosened up to Wild Bill's. Uh, and then he knocks him out and says, intense. just get out of here. Yeah. Um, and then Crystal shoves Wild Bill. Nobody else wants to jump in the ring with Wild Bill. Crystal yeah. shoves him starting a fight. And they have a really good chemistry back and forth. Like yeah. he's telling her what to do. Yes. Um, and encouraging her. And it was great. It was absolutely great. And yeah, well, Willie is very impressed. Mm-hmm. She is absolutely blown away by what Crystal does. And she takes it upon herself to go to Jack and say, we should have her not only in the league as a wrestler, but in the fair main event. In the main event. Which he shuts down, and we finally find out why. It's not just that he's mad at her for screwing up the match, because he screwed up enough matches. We saw that in the season opener, uh, in the series opener. It's because he says, she hurt my brother, they can't be around each other, I gotta take Ace aside. Which I get, but at the same time, it's like, you're a businessman, and you had no problem putting your business in front of your brother in the first place, and now all of a sudden, you're not going to do that when it comes to having Crystal wrestle? That I thought was kind of bullshit, but I think he's trying to be a family man, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, his reasoning for why she can't do it, and it sucks because she's really good. Yeah, I, I do I do see that too, and uh, and I do think that um, it's bo- the excuse that he's using for Ace, oh, I've got to be on Ace's side, is bogus because... You're not even in in good with Ace right now. I think he's just a little bit sexist and doesn't want to come out and say that. Oh, and Willie said the best thing. She was like, well, I wish that you cared so much about my feelings. uh, When having Bill around. When came to having Wild Bill around. Because he doesn't. So he's basically saying, I got to put this above the league, even though it's good for the league. And she's like, well, you put the league above my feelings, working with this like emotionally abusive ex of hers yeah so jack's just there's something else going on here and i think it's just straight up sexism well there's a lot of, a lot of going on here like we're only a year from his dad committing suicide yeah. and a year ago his dad was making him pull over on the side of the road and have wrestling matches you know like his he's clearly in a, yeah we just, saw some we've been seeing more dad flashbacks and and uh you realize that his dad was like uh his dad was like a lot of wrestling dads that are that run territories, you know. Like you've heard stories of Stu Hart stretching his kids and making them tough, and the same with Fritz von Erich. And this dad is is no different. He's very hard on Jack, 
but he's very easy on Ace because he wanted a better future for Ace. He wanted Ace to be an NFL superstar. And uh, Jack knew that wasn't the case and he wasn't going to live up to it. Uh, Jack thought he should become a wrestler. And, uh, you know, that wasn't good enough for Ace, the father, but, but it was good enough for Jack, which is probably why there's a strain between Jack and Ace because one dad. I think it's a thing like, well, this life was good enough for me, but it's not good enough for my brother. Yeah. You exactly. know, so that's, that's definitely, yes. definitely what it is. But. We also get a glimpse into, we know that Rooster left. Rooster left to go to uh, that dy- FWD. Dystopia. Is it FWD? Yeah, FWD. Yeah. Florida um, Dystopia Wrestling. Oh, FDW. Yes. Okay. So he leaves to go. We know that. And we actually get to see the FWD. That is what it about. That is what it's called. Flor- yeah, Florida Wrestling Dystopia. Dystopia, yeah. So we get to see him there. This yes. time. So we get a glimpse into what the other league is about. And it's pretty cool, I got to say. It's more like no holds barred. Like, it's more very, like, it's not family friendly. Let's put it that way. Like, it's definitely not family friendly. It seems more violent, uh, more of a party league than sportsmanship, if that makes sense. It's definitely uh, ECW influenced. Okay. So Gully, whose league it is, decide he's not satisfied with just getting Rooster. He wants all of them. So he wants to take everything that Jack has in terms of talent, and he wants to bring them to the league. So he throws a giant party. He makes posters up um, with his wrestling logo with, like, the um, DWL uh, All-Stars on the poster, and they go to the... Is it, is it the, the stadium? I don't know the what you DWF call it. The DWF arena? Arena, whatever. Yeah, yep. the, the home arena. And they poster it all up. So it just has those... Wrestlers' faces on an ad, basically, for the FWD and an address. So Ace decides he's going to go check out what the hell this is, beat Gully up or whoever made these posters, and shows up to a crazy mansion party. Like, insane, wild, off the rails. Gully, the guy uh, whose league it is, shows up in a helicopter. Well, we don't even... At first, he sees Rooster there, mm-hmm. and Rooster's like, so you've come to see him? And he's like, see who? Yeah. He doesn't even know he who's there. He just has there. an address. He just has an address, and there's this party, and there's Rooster there, and the guys all know Rooster jumped. I don't know if Ace knows Rooster jumped, but the bulk of the guys. I think knew they Ace do by now it. because we showed they showed him wrestling. So I think that everyone knows, and they just didn't talk about that part in the TV show, right? Because if he's already there wrestling, everyone would know. Well, no, he hadn't done his first match yet. His first match was that night. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Because that's why they're like. And by that's the why way, they, the guys said he made, we're he not going to go there because we don't want to step on Rooster's big night. Right. That's why they didn't go. Yeah, because go. it is Rooster's big night because he got. He was going to win the belt. He got the belt. Yeah. Something that he tried for years to make Jack let him do, and he never could. And finally, it showed his match, and the match ended with him holding the belt and everyone chanting Rooster, and that was pretty cool. But what he didn't know was Rooster was only being used as a pawn. Because he was going to put the belt on Ace the very next week. Yeah. So, so Rooster he, thought it was going to be his belt and all that. And he doesn't know that. So there's friction between him and Ace because like Ace was like, because Ace was going to take the belt from him. And, well, this is, so Ace goes to the party and says, I'm going to kick your ass, basically. Then it flash forwards and Ace is in bed with a hot girl. We see tits, more tits back in this episode. Great. And Great he's to have like, back. I don't know where I am and what I did. Basically, he's fucked up on drugs and alcohol. Florida tits. And he is at this party and he uh, decides he's going to do it. Spring break. He's going to do it. Yeah. He is going to go to the match, the FWD, show up at the end of uh, Rooster getting the belt. And basically say, fuck Jack, 
fuck the DWL, I'm here. Yeah. So uh, Gully puts that rumor out there. So people are showing up waiting for Ace. Ace decides he's going to go. And he also FaceTimes Crystal from there. He's yeah. making out with the tick girl and he says, oh, I got to call my mom. She's sick. And then he FaceTimes Crystal and says, I, I want you here. I want you to come to the league with me, not as a valet, as a wrestler. Let's do this. So she and mind you, he's all coked up at this point. Also, too. she's yeah, she's not dumb. She's not going to, you know, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Like, come on. I, I think hopefully she got a bit more smarts about her. But well, she, she decides she's going to do the smart thing. Yeah. She drives to Jack's house and tells him. She says, Ace just called me. This is what's going on. He's jumping ship. Tonight and Jack decides he's bailing on. This is what I don't understand. His wife gets mad at him for leaving family movie night. Like this is a big deal. He kind of has to go deal with it. Well, she can't. The wife can't be like, "We're all about family. We're all about family. We're all about family." I gotta go because it's family. And then she can't say no family. I guess in her mind she's like, "Well, who cares? Let him go. Like if you you you're not happy with him anyway." Um. So he goes there. He shows up. Uh. It gets pretty crazy. Like Gully. Is I, I I look up to that actress because he does a really good job as this character. So yes. he basically is goading the crowd, saying, "You heard a rumor tonight. Who do you think it is?" Like, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's Ace. Ace is coming." Then he gives the cue for Ace to come out. Yeah. And uh, Ace doesn't walk out, but we hear the crowd booing. Yeah. So who is coming out behind Gully? None other than Jack Spade. Yeah, and Jack Spade is standing there in the middle of the ring. He looks. He looks around. And this is also good for dystopia because... Oh, yeah, I guess been, that's true. He's been calling out Jack Spade for, for months and months now. And what a swerve. But but Big Bad Fish Bobby, he, he'll go with it. He's going to go with it. So he goes with it. And he shoots the shit. He says a few things to him. And then Jack just walks up and punches him in the face for real. Like, he really knocks him down. And he knocks him down. Bloody nose everything. And then, and then he basically says, you know, like, you don't come after my fucking shit. Don't like, come after family. Don't come after my oh, family. Oh, yeah, don't come after anything of he mine said, He said, you don't come after my stuff. Yeah. And then it ends with Gully basically lying on the ground being like, someone get him. Yeah, someone get and them. Then, that's basically how it ended because I thought we were going to see everybody, like, attack them. But I guess if you're at a match like that, you think that this is part of the match, right? Of course so you do. everyone's like, yeah. Because he promised a secret. But he now didn't tell anybody. Happen? Is but Gully going to show up at, like, try to ruin the fair show, you think? I think... Oh, you already... We're going to stop talking about this because Casey's an episode well, ahead no, of me. No, I'm, I'm not going to say, but I don't know. But I think... I would think that uh, some sort of retaliation is going to come. But the fact is, is uh, Big Bad Fish started this by... Uh, by by talking about Jack Spade for months on on Mick Foley's character show, not only that, by vandalizing, technically vandalizing, or inspiring the wrestlers at the DWF uh, yeah. arena, and and now you know like they've got a feud going on. This is DWF. You can't even keep your like arena straight. It's DWL and FWD. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> it's fucking letters. All right. If people want to get upset at me, send me more letters on the letter topic. Okay, okay, okay. So, anyway. I, I think Casey told me this before I saw the episode. Um, and I had to let the episode sink in a bit before I agreed. But I do think thus far it's the best episode of the season. Oh, I think it's by far the best episode of the season. Well, I'm torn and two episodes before that. Oh, you really liked the one where, I did. where they had the show for the county fair? No, I didn't. Which one did I like? Yeah, I did. That was that the last episode before this or the one before that? That was the episode before this house show. 
I liked the no the one before that. Swerve. That's the the yeah with the broken leg. Uh swerve was when the Georgia State yeah they yeah. they did a trial yeah they show. So that's not yes. the last one the one before that 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 one, was the one that I met where five. they had the so uh, five and seven to me are tied for the best episodes of the of the season so far. But you know what it has not been renewed for season two yet. No, it's not, and and I'm and, pretty upset about it. And Arnell is going to be in town promoting Arrow. Uh, Wait, let it go. What? Is Arrow coming back? No, it's not. He's just still going to fan and meet and greets as Arrow when he should be going as goddamn Jack Spade. <laughs> well, I'm going to be pretty pissed if it doesn't come back for season two because, I mean, I guess I'll just be off the podcast. <laughs> How many fucking shit shows come out come back for for, for second seasons that don't even that aren't even good? I am so upset about Glow not coming back that if they take away heels too, like I'm gonna raise hell. Oh my god! And I'm gonna turn heel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you heard that here? Uh, I can't even imagine Michelle Shaughnessy as a heel. Actually, I can. I kind of already am. Well, in comedy and with girls, maybe. With but, girls. Um, well, you used to be a heel with girls. All I, the girls I used to picked des- on girls. All the girls used to despise Michelle Shaughnessy. They picked on me. I they, didn't pick on them because you were the heel. No, because I was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good heel is what you are. Shut up. You know. I want to know what you're doing. I don't want to know who you're doing it with. I okay. want to know how you're doing it. Well, I think that's it for this episode, but I'm really pumped about it. Um, I'm pumped about where it's, I... It's, not it, it's really, not it for this episode. Casey you need are, four more minutes for this episode. I'm not done. Casey and I are really pumped because we thought there was only eight episodes and there's going to be 12 episodes in season one, so we're pretty pumped about that. Yes. Um, but I do like where this is going, and the next episode is... We've been talking about the State Fair forever. Is the next episode the fair one? It's called Double Turn, so right. I would imagine so, it's got to be about State Fair. We're going to find out who is wrestling in the main match. And my predictions are that it's going to be Wild Bill and Crystal are definitely going to be um, front and center somehow Okay. in that match. That's my prediction. My prediction also is in the next few episodes, she's going to be back hooking up with Ace again. Ooh. That That's my prediction. Doesn't mean it's true because I think Bobby's really sweet and really nice, but we all know what happens to nice guys. Oh, fuck. Off. We don't know about that. Bobby, first of all. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you think she's going to end up with a nice guy that treats her good? No, I just think I'm a nice guy and I know what this story is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you, you don't get a lot of women because you're a nice a guy? Nice guy? Uh, well, well, I think it's part of it. I mean, it's maybe on the on the list of things. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no. Well, come on. Seriously? I'm teasing. No. I'm uh, being a heel. Um, yes, you are being a heel. <laughs> But yeah, I am a nice guy, and uh, and honestly, I don't. Yeah, I don't get as many girls as 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 uh, assholes do, and it, this goes right back to in high school uh, before I was fat. Uh, when I was actually, uh, I th- well, I thought I was fat in high school, but because I had body image problems, but. Um, I was not really fat. I know. In high I look school. back on old pictures of me sometimes. And I'm like, I thought I was fat, and I would kill to look like that. Now. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah! I one chin, please. <laughs> For once, no beard, please. Like I, like I'm glad beards are popular, but I'll take one chin over over zero beard. I feel yeah. Any day, and uh, I know, I know, and uh, you know. So so it's like when I look back in high school when I only had one chin. And I was like 210 pounds, you know, that was not cons- like I thought I was fat back then, but you know, now I'm husky. 
Uh, well, I, I played football and I worked out, you know, so I carried some weight. But uh, I also worked at a pizza place that gave you free food. Oh. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I have always been a nice guy. And it is true. That's a, the nice guys finish last. That's everybody knows that. And because uh, nice guys are always thinking about, you know, I just want to make this girl happy. Uh, they're not the nice guys don't think with their dick while other guys do think with their dick. And the guys think with their dicks. No, 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 Nice guys also, all guys think with their dicks, especially in high school. Nice guys just don't act upon that. They put it in the back of their head and act like they're thinking with other things, but they think with the dick. Never takes priority. How did we get so far off? How did this turn into like, I swear I'm a nice guy. Look at heels versus heels versus heels versus faces is an argument in wrestling. There will always be argued, and this is what we're arguing. It is and, true, though. I mean, as much know, as like, I I love nice guys, yeah, I'm sorry. I Honestly, I love Bobby, and he's TV Superman, but if I had to, like, if I just really needed to get it, I'd probably be like, Ace. Ace, for sure. Of course. For sure, because I'd want to, like, change him, change him into somebody that was capable of loving me. Look at Now for, we're going deep diving into my psyche. We've talked at, about Casey's for, problems. For, for, for all those, look at. Brett versus Sean. A lot of you know, like <laughs> you like like as much as Brett was the guy that you should like, I think a lot of the girls like Sean even better because I Sean was the sexy boy. Kind of agree with that. You I know? really and do. I think Brett is the nice guy and Sean well he's he's the fucking heartbreak kid. So he's not the nice guy. He's advertising it. I will break your heart. Yeah, but every girl is like kid. I think I can be the one to change him. No, you can't change Sean's mind. You can't break the heartbreak, kid. Well, I know that now. No, everybody knows that now. That's obviously, well, it took a nitro girl to do it. You have to have nitro <laughs> power. Um, so, yes. Now, uh, there we go. There we go. We are 20 minutes in. Heels review done. The big bad fish man. We finally know where this guy's money comes from, from the hunting stores. Oh, yeah. From up north, now being brought down south. The weapons. Uh, and we're going to see, you know, double turn. Double turn could mean, you know, double turn could mean, you know, Jack and Ace is double turn on, on FWD. Uh, we don't even know if they're getting it back alive. Will they make the state fair? What will happen to the state fair? Tune in for episode eight and the episode eight heels review next week with Michelle Shaughnessy and myself, Michelle. Bad boys. Bad boys that make me feel so good. <laughs> yeah, nobody's singing. Nice guys need girls too, 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 too. <laughs> Did you just make that? Up? No, it's naughty girls need girls need, <laughs> need love too. It's Samantha Fox. <laughs> I am Samantha Fox. Bad so. boys, bad boys that make me feel so good. I know it's always bad boys. It's like you ever like bad, 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 bad boys. Nice boys, nice boys. What you gonna do? <laughs> you gonna block some girls that screws on you? Now, you get send her flowers when he, she screws around on you. You know, what I mean, that's what the nice, nice guys boys, do. Nice boys, nice boys. Yeah. Anyways, folks, we're out of here. Have a good day, and uh, and uh, we will follow talk me online to you. at Michelle's Funny. Bye. All right, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. And there we have it. There we have it right there. Right there. The Heels Review for Episode 7. Thank you, Michelle, for joining us uh, on Talking Wrestling and giving us the Heels Review. 
as well as Reese Turner, my partner in crime. Thank you again for being on the show. We uh, had a great show, top 10 underrated tag teams of all time. And to you, the people at home, thank you for listening. And until next week, thank you for letting us put a headlock on your ears. For Never Sleeps Network, Reese, Michelle, myself, uh, thank you. And we'll talk at you next week. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.